Everybody to Catfish Weekly, along with Chuck Davis and I'm Lyle Stokes. Tonight's show is sponsored by Whiskerware Apparel. Uh, we have a couple of guests on the show with us tonight. We'll get to that in just a minute, and uh, we're going to talk about the Catfish Conference, and then we're going to talk with Morgan Blake about catching some flatheads out in California. That'll be really cool. Chuck, how's it going in Alabama today? Oh, it's going great. Um, you know, same old, same old. Working on the boat more than fishing. Um, you know, pouring rain in when you get time to go fishing. Very nice while you're working, just the regular old stuff. I understand. Um, it warm down your way? Um, yeah, but the rain come with it, so <laughs> that's the kind of warm I don't like. Yeah, I understand. Steve, how's it going tonight, buddy? I'm awesome. How about you guys? Not too bad. Not too bad. Getting ready for this Versailles, Kentucky trip we got coming up. Cindy's got the truck cleaned up and washed inside and out, and we've got all our stuff laying up here ready to put in it and get ready to head your direction. It looks like it's going to be a, a pretty big event, <laughs> bigger than I ever imagined. Got folks coming from 24 states, that's nearly half America will be here in, in Versailles, Kentucky. Man, you can't do that. No, sure can't. We've got a lot, a lot of good vendors coming, you know, uh, to participate. So, guys visiting, you know, should should get a real good dose of catfishing this weekend. Well, some of these people that's going to be traveling these distances are going to get a chance to to watch some seminars from some of the greatest catfishermen in the nation. Uh, that uh, that in itself, and the fact that the only thing they're out is the trip down there is, is just a great deal. Exactly. Yeah, we've got guys going to tell you how to catch catfish. We've got guys going to tell you how to keep your catfish alive and live well. So uh, we got some conservation going on. So it's a little bit of everything pertaining to the catfishing industry. I guess just virtually uh, everybody that has to do with the sport uh, one way or the other uh, is going to be in attendance down there and have a booth or, or something going on. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You know what's really excited me, though? I, I put a little thing out today. Um, on my personal Facebook page, you know, saying who I was coming, where are you from? And some fella, I can't remember his name, but he said he's coming from Texas and he's stopping by to get Big Cat Patterson, which that to me is very cool. I don't know if you're familiar with Big Cat Patterson out of Mississippi. I am. Yep. Oh, yeah. That surprised the heck out of me, but I'm loving it. I'm oh. loving it. I talked to James on the phone just every once in a while. I tried to get him to come on here, but he's like so many of us that he's not doing the computer thing much, and he, you right. know, he 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 don't want to do that. If we do it by phone, we can, but uh, people want to see put faces to the to the people, and uh, we may try to get James on here. He's quite a guy himself. He's just very knowledgeable, and and uh, to have him there. He's liable to have a crowd around him uh, quite a bit of the time if they figure out who he is. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, I've been in the game about 12 years, and he was here way before me. So he's he's a veteran. He, You know, he's probably forgot more than I know. So He, he catches a lot of good fish. He yes, really does. Maybe we can corral him up and get him inside of the uh, Catfish Weekly booth. <laughs> Well, I hope so. That'd be that'd be really good. Now, I know, Steve, I talked to some boys that's flying in from Arizona that'll be up there. They're um, going to show up and, and uh, visit with us a little bit. I'm really excited about that. I mean, 
when, when guys will jump on an airplane and fly from Arizona to wherever they, they land at in your area and then drive over to that conference, that's that's quite a feat in itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think we've got them scheduled to think guys I'm thinking about. We've got them scheduled. Bobby Miller, I think it is. Um, I, that doesn't Arizona. They, they, they got something to do with the conservation out Arizona. Right. They, they've got a tag program. They're going to come share their information with yeah. us. Yep. So, and I, I'm my, really my buddy Chris Flores from uh, Muddy River Catfish, and he's got a huge YouTube following on on YouTube. He's flying in mm -hmm. from uh, New Mexico. Wow. That's, so, that's outstanding. Yeah, it's going to be a huge event, and and I know everybody is really excited about about getting there, and it, it's the right time of the year to get everybody corralled up because if, if they're like me, they've been sitting around about as long as they can stand it without getting a fix of some kind. Right. Well, the weather, as of today, but you know weathermen can't never tell the truth. <laughs> but as, as of today, uh, it's supposed to be sunny and 52 degrees. That will be pretty good. I actually... Uh, I question the fact of whether they know what they're doing or if they care if they know what they're doing because they're the only people I know of that gets paid a pretty good salary. could be wrong every day, and people still watch them. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be an awesome time. Like I say, it's our first one. Please, I hope everybody understands that we're trying to do everything we can um, as far as to make everybody comfortable. So, you know, next year will even be better. We're going to learn something this year and, and, and just do better next year. Well, I'm not that's, sure something's going to malfunction. Well, you know, and, and that's part of doing these deals, and, and people have to understand that if something goes wrong, it'll be corrected. It won't happen the next time, and, and uh, everything will go along, and, and it's going to be fun regardless. If uh, How much of a major deal can, can go wrong with a bunch of guys sitting around talking about catfish? Hell, they might even be lying to one another. Nobody's going to know the difference. <laughs> well, we've got, you know, we've issued over 800 tickets, and then I know there's another at least 500 that's probably just going to walk through. So there is going to be a large number of people in a small building. You know, that well, we had to rent a tent, you know, a 1,500-square-foot tent just to do the seminars for so it'll be here also. I'm extremely excited about this. I think that all the hard work that you guys have put into this will pay off in large dividends. And, and if this uh, is an annual event, like I understand it's going to be, next year will be better. The year after that will be better. And, and from now on, it'll just keep getting bigger and better and more participation and more people showing up. I mean, it's, it just looks like a great, great event. Well, that's what we're looking for, guys. And, you know, we, we'd like to thank everybody that's coming out to participate as a vendor or just come out and, and you know hang around us for the day. We, we appreciate just everybody. Uh, I hope I hope Steve that that you'll find time to stop by. We're going to come down uh, Friday. Well, Cindy and I are going to leave pretty early Friday, and we'll be down there. We'll set up a. Our stuff and and try to get Catfish Weekly show going, and and uh, we're we're planning on a live broadcast out of there, uh, barring something. Uh, crazy going on, and that way we'll have time to get it addressed if there is something that happens. But, you know, if you find time, I know you're going to be really busy, but we'd love to have you come by and sit down and visit with it for a few minutes and, and talk about how the event's going and uh, things like that. I think it would really be good. And then anybody and everybody that that wants to uh, sit down and talk catfishing with us for a few minutes, we're going to try to do our spots at a time, and then we'll take a break and do another one. 
that sounds sounds awesome. But I think I don't think you're going to run out of people to to talk to. That's for sure. Well, actually, we kind of we kind of put that uh, a little bit uh, into perspective. We've talked Heath Malone and some of the boys into coming in and helping us because Chuck and I will probably get dry throat and have to go out and get some iced tea or something to, to help right. us. And Heath and them have agreed to, to come on uh, with Indiana Hunter and, and to help us do interviews and things. And they, they do some wonderful videos and stuff. So uh, we're glad to have them in there. And uh, I, I just am really excited about this event. I think it's going to be a great time. What do you got for, for Steve tonight, Chuck? Um. <coughs> Well, Steve, it's um, a week before the conference. Well, really just four days. Um, now, you're sitting back and you're looking at it, um, you know, and I asked you, was this just overwhelming for you? Um, did you – on proportion size, did you think it would be about half this size? You know, honestly, when I first – when we first went into this, I was thinking 250 people. But – the more I've advertised it, the everybody it seems like everybody was just ready for this. They're just wanting something to take place like this. And it, it's just grown. I mean, but yeah, two hundred and fifty was kind of my cap. I never imagined a thousand or better. Yeah, yeah, I mean just trying to occupy everyone and all. Um <laughs> and it's gonna be such a great deal because it, there's so much product out there that I've been wanting to get my hands on. It's all over the internet. You know, and most of these, uh, you know, Bass Pro academies don't carry it. And, you know, just being able to go around and, and you know, getting to, um, you know, hold some of this stuff, check the rods out, all the right. different rod holders. And, you know, there's just so much stuff out there that I haven't been able to see in person. And, um, you know, that's just what's so exciting. Um, well, there's a lot of the vendors that have come out. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me if vendors are have stuff for sale. I don't know about Lyle. I don't know about Lyle's going to bring anything for sale. I, me personally, with Monster Rod Holders, I'm not going to have time to sell anything. I am going to have a display so you can put your hands on it. You can feel it. Um, but most of the other guys are going to sell some stuff, I do believe. I, I think B&M probably going to have something for sale. Tangle Catfish will probably have something. So. But not everybody will. But at least you, like you say, put your hands on it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so hard for someone to make a purchase online, and, and you know, you, you know, you can just ask people's opinions on rods and, and certain stuff like that. Rods are the biggest, and you know, you end up paying ungodly amount of money on just shipping. Um, right. You know, and if you order rods, you want to order enough to make your shipping worth it, but you don't want to buy too many and uh, not know what they're like when you buy them. So. You know, things like this are, um, you know, you'll be able to know exactly what you want when you leave Saturday. Exactly. You may not have it in your hand, but you'll know when you order it, it's going to come in right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we, we're going to, we've been working really hard to get some new drift rods done, and, and events have been posting pictures up on them today, and I'm not specifically take them out there to sell, but I'm like everybody else, you know, it's kind of hard to turn down cash. So, right. Uh, you know, but they're basically for displays and, and stuff that I take to shows. But yeah, uh, we we have a few that we're going to have down there. But the main the main thing for us was the Catfish Weekly Show, and uh, we'll 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 have some rods for people to look at. But uh, we want to get everybody that's in that wants to be on the show with us and visit catfishing and stuff like that. That's that's our main goal for this show. Well, that's awesome. 
It ain't always about the money, guys. It ain't always about the money. If it was about the money, probably most of us probably wouldn't even be doing it. <laughs> You're right. Well, well Steve, yeah, everybody comes down. I think everybody should have a good time. Oh, I'm quite sure of that. We appreciate you spending your time with us on here tonight. And uh, uh, if if there's anything, of course, that we can do, uh, any other assistance you need, be sure and give one of us a holler, and we'll try to help you out and get everything done that we can. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you down there Saturday sometime, or Friday probably. That good enough, Matt. I appreciate you uh, coming on and participating. Uh, we're going to have a great time. No matter what happens, we're going to have a good time. Good deal. You guys All right. take care. All right, everybody, that's Steve Douglas. He's worked really hard to put this uh, catfish conference on. If you guys haven't got a ticket or if you think you can make it, get a chance to make it down there to this thing, it's going to be a great event. Some of the biggest people in our sport is going to be there, and it's just going to be a wonderful time. Uh, Chuck, we, we have, uh, we've got Morgan Blake on with us tonight, and Morgan is a flathead man from around, around San Diego, California. I'm kind of excited to... To uh, visit with him, I we checked his computer stuff out this morning, and vi I visited with his wife Adrian and his little girl this morning, and and uh, we just had a really good time talking about flowers and that little girl's hair and the dog, and uh, just a great family that is associated around the catfishing thing. And uh, I had before I called out there, I had just. Uh, watched a video with Morgan and his his daughter narrating this video of him catching what was it uh, Morgan a 42 pound flathead 42 pounder yes yeah it was a great video uh, these guys did you get a chance take a look at some of these fish that Morgan catches out there a lot of people don't associate the state of California with with catfishing uh, per se but I'm telling you what now he has put some fish on the ground out there it's pretty nice welcome to the show Morgan. Thank you very much for having me. We, uh, we're pretty excited about this because you don't always fish out of a boat. That is correct. I fish on land, fish on a kayak. Pretty much I'm open to anything. Whatever I try to do, everything I can do that uh, others are not willing to do, I'll, I'll do. You know, a lot of times that'll put you on fish that nobody else can get to. That is very true. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. I'm sure that Chuck has a bunch of questions for you, and I'm going to get caught up on some of the messages we've got going in here. So, Chuck, have, have at her, buddy. All right, man. Nice to have you on, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, have, you set a, um, have you set a limit that you're going to wait to get to before you have one of those beautiful replicas made? Um. I, I actually haven't thought about that. Um, maybe the state record. The state heard, record would be good. I mean, the you know the Arizona, California areas. Um, I've seen a few come out of Colorado, but the you know the color patterns of those fish out there. Um, you know, there there's not many. You know, there's you get some yellow tints around here, but. You don't get that real, real bright, beautiful yellow that y'all get out there on some of your fish. Um, that, that's very true. We, we've gone back and forth and talked about it amongst, I don't know how many catfishing guys out here. We, there's no real conclusive, we can't come up with anything specific to why 
we have bodies of water where they're so yellow. It seems to be the Imperial Valley, the desert area. There's some rivers there, and often they come out that yellow. Very few come out the dark color. I'm not sure if it's because of the the waters are very silty, very silty. I mean, zero visibility. If that has something to do with it, uh, we're not. Nothing's 100% that we can come up with. I mean, do, when you're able to, uh, you know, you're out in your kayak and you're you're paddling around those really bright flatheads. I know the water's got to be really clear out in some of those reservoirs and rivers. Can you actually see some of those flatheads uh, down below you being those colors? Or do um, they really blend in? <laughs> they, they blend in. The, the, water, the Colorado River and its backwaters, those are very clear bodies of water, but I've never pulled out a really yellow one from those clear bodies of water. The extremely yellow ones predominantly are the uh, very silty, murky rivers that I fish. Oh, so you think it may have something to do with the sediments maybe in there? Uh, they're trying to camouflage themselves to their surroundings and stuff? I believe so. Uh, some of the bodies of water uh, have a lot of farm and irrigation uh, runoff. So it, maybe there's pesticides that might cause it. Uh, a lot of storm drain body uh, fl flow into that those bodies of water. Maybe there's something in there that has something to, uh, to do with it. Not sure. But it's definitely a dirtier body of water versus the Colorado River where it's very clear. But uh, definitely the, the silt being very, very uh, cloudy, I I'd imagine, or muddy, I should say, uh, has something to do with it. Okay. We, we talked to a lot of guys from our East Coast and – you know, they have a, a couple of rivers, the James and the Potomac, which which is a brackish-type waters. Um, do do y'all have any uh, waters out that way where, you know, where it's really brackish and, and y'all fish in those where they connect to the ocean and, and you flathead fish, you know, on the same rivers that connect to the ocean? There's nothing here that I am aware of in the whole state of California that has flatheads where it's a body of water that flows into the ocean. The... Uh, the desert, the two bodies of uh, two rivers that I fish, both flow into the Salton Sea, which is very salty, um, but it's very shallow at those points. So I have tried fishing those areas to see if it's almost acts as like a dead end, a turnaround point, a good place where they might uh, bunch up. But I haven't really had much luck in those areas. But that's. There's very, very few waters uh, where there's flatheads here in California. I have to drive two and a half hours minimum every time I go flathead fishing. So there's just very few rivers that they've made their way down and made themselves at home, um, and it just so happened to get that close to your house? Correct. Well, what rivers are those? There's the Alamo River, and there's the New River, which that one's – pretty polluted. Most people stay away from that, but there is flatheads in there uh, and the Colorado River. And then there's hundreds and hundreds of irrigation canals that these flatheads have made their way up into um, off of these rivers. So there's a lot of fishing in pipes and uh, a lot of driving around. You can spend a year driving out in the desert just because there's so many different canals that all interse intersect and connect. And they all keep year-round water? Yes. 
and that yeah that right there would be perfect so uh what what's some of the biggest flatheads you've you've gotten out of the uh the canal type place? um 40 40 pounds 45 um i personally have not got one in the 50 of uh my partner that i fish with most of the time has got them in the 50s i've got a 67 pounder uh on a backwater off of uh the colorado river that's my biggest which is five pounds shy of the state record so that's what keeps me going Okay, and that well, was in, and that was in California waters, correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, but what other states do you fish in? Just California? Or do you venture off into? I do a tournament once a year in Arizona. The ACCA has a tournament. That's a a much larger a much larger tournament. A lot more money on the line versus the one the tournaments that I do here. They're very small. Uh, nothing like the one there. So I do go to Arizona. I tow my boat out there in Fish Bartlett Lake. They have a couple of them on Bartlett Lake and Lake Pleasant, but they're the big one I drive out to each year, and I, I do that one. I've that driven... A, oh, go ahead. Is that where Flathead Ed and all them guys are? Chris exactly. Joshua and all them guys? Okay. Yes, Great. So you get out there and get to fish with those. Is that the only uh, tournament you fish with them guys just once a year? Yes, with those guys, yes. Okay, I bet um, you know I'd I'd love to go out with them guys. Them guys seem like they know how to really get after them and have a good time. Oh and, yeah, they're, they're, those are great people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I follow all their posts and the, their weekend adventures of you know them going out on their pontoon boats for the weekends or weeks and you know just steady going at it and oh it yeah, seems like some great guys to hang out with. They are. They they're very helpful. And well, what size of this tournament do you go to in Arizona? Um, that, that one usually last year, I think was the largest, uh, it was about a hundred and 130, I think, uh, people joined, uh, last year's tournament. It's been getting bigger each year. Um, from what I've under, uh, been told, it's the largest on the West coast. Uh, I don't know where that border is. That's what the gentleman told me, uh, that runs the, uh, that tournament. So that's, wow, so, the, the, so it's. It's growing pretty good out in the West. Uh, you know, people learning to target these trophy catfish and, uh, you know, growing the sport. Right. And then I, in my state, we do four a year uh, in the Valley area. So, but, but those are smaller. We're trying to get it bigger, get spread the word out. But, you know, they're smaller pots, but it's been and getting you, bigger. And you're from the, the San Diego area? Yes. Okay, uh, so the, these rivers you're fishing, um, all three of them right there around the S San Diego? No, they're about, I have to drive, uh, they're in the desert. I've, I've got to go about two and a half hours to three hours east uh, of where I am to get to those bodies of water. In my, okay. local, in my local area in San Diego, there's just uh, lakes where they, we do have blue cats, um, but flatheads are definitely my favorite. Yeah, I've, I was I follow a couple of guys that live up, um, you know, central and, and northern California, and and they get into some pretty good sized channel cats up that way, 25, 30, 35 pounds up in there. Oh, yes, we ha we have a lake that's been closed for about seven years now. That's getting ready to open, where the state record came from, about 20 minutes from here, San Vicente Lake. And uh, that's getting ready to be uh, be open. So, and that was known for a lot of big blues. So, as soon as that opens up, I'll be uh, getting that out for the blues. 
Well, why has it been shut down? They raised the dam. They did, there has been work being done on that to increase the overall volume of the entire lake. I think they raised the dam 117 feet. Okay, so they didn't have to drain the whole lake down to cause any damage or anything? Yeah, they, they had to bring it down a little bit just to do the work, but not low enough to affect anything. Oh, great. So that's probably going to be some awesome fishing. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. And would you say this was opening up? This summer. It's supposed right. to be. I think within the next couple of months that uh, I, I actually work for the water district, and we keep hearing it's been put off and put off. We think it's going to open, and then they're doing more testing, and it gets put off. But the final word is this summer. So, But it's going to be so busy, they're going to have to do a lottery to get on the lake, I guess, for the first year since – Everyone knows about it and is going to be going there. Is this a lottery just for fishing or for all types of water sports? or Just to simply get on the body of water. Okay. Yeah. So there's not that, there's not that many lakes around the area for people to, uh, to get out and enjoy, so they're going to have to limit it and monitor the lake pretty good so it won't get overcrowded. Is that what they're trying to do? Correct. Because, because it's so known for uh, fishing and bass, probably bass fishing is also is very big there. So there's going to be a lot of bass fishermen trying to get in there when it first opens. Okay, so they're going to have special regulations and stuff for the lake, you think, other than yeah. that? I think once the crowd calms down, from what I've heard, that it'll just be regular, open three days a week, first come, first serve. Okay, um, how long have you been flathead fishing? It's been about seven and a half years now is uh, when I started fishing. Definitely uh, did- learned a lot. <laughs> Did you do any type of saltwater fishing, anything like that, before you, you started flathead fishing? Yes, I grew up going for saltwater. I transitioned right from going tuna fishing right into uh, catfishing. I, a friend of mine was looking on the Internet and found out about flathead fishing, and we had some nearby, and we did a tournament, and I was that was it. I was hooked. So you really enjoyed a lot better than going out in saltwater and fishing? It's a It's a... It's a different kind of adventure here. Uh, I use my boat, use the kayak. I spend the entire night on my kayak sometimes. There's, you're searching and Google Earthing and looking for spots, making your own spots. Uh, it's just a, yeah, it's a different kind of adventure rather, rather than just going out in the boat in the ocean and going for tuna. I still like tuna fishing, but the catfishing is definitely a different type of adventure. There's, there's a lot that people are not willing to do if you're willing to do to get ahead of the game. So you, you ever been able to get down close to uh, Cabo or anywhere like that and do marlin fishing, anything like that? I have not been down to Cabo. I'd, I'd like to, but I haven't. Most Mostly off our local waters. Is there is there flatheads any lower than where you're at down down toward the in the peninsula or anywhere down in there? Not that I know of. Uh, I believe the Colorado River... I'm not quite sure how far south flatheads have been caught, but there's yeah, it's pretty limited. Okay, so the Arizona, um, that's probably uh, about as low as they get in that area, a little bit yeah, south. Far, of you. Yes, as far as as far as I'm aware of, I haven't heard of anything much uh, into Mexican waters, because I, I know the Colorado River does flow into Mexico, but I'm not sure what's been caught down there. Yeah, I bet some of them places are very secluded and people don't even know they're there. Oh, absolutely. And that that's the places that, that's nice to adventure to and, you know, find them and let that be your own little 
little getaway, you know, oh, where yeah. you're not getting overcrowded and fighting over fishing holes and all. Oh yeah, it's you. There's very few people that get out there and do. It gets very hot in the summer, 115, 120. Uh, most people pack it up during that time, and they don't really target them during the winter. But I've managed to figure out and catch them all year long. Of course, the wife wasn't very happy about that because when I first started fishing, I told her it was just a summer thing. Now I've gotten good enough to find them throughout the winter, and now that doesn't make her very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right, Lyle, I know you're uh, you're ready for him, so you get caught up on the messages. Um, what well, do you got for him? Well, uh, Ricky Poole would like to know uh, what kind of bait you use out there, Morgan. Um, I predominantly use live bait. We use uh, live bluegill, live tilapia, and live carp is what I, I try to stick to the smaller carp, baby carp. Um, they are hard to come by, but uh, if they get too big, I will cut them up, but that's I I use mostly use live bait for the flatheads. Now you're talking you're when you talk about carp, you're talking about just common carp. Common right? carp, that is correct. Uh, I was assuming that that would be the case. Uh, now, are there big channel cats out in your waters? There is big channel cats. Um, some of the bodies of water, I will catch very uh, some of the rivers. Where the flatheads are, we don't catch too many big channels. I'm not quite sure why, if they don't make it to being big because of the flatheads. But uh, every once in a while, you'll get a double-digit uh, channel cap. But mostly little guys. Um, now, that's the areas where I fish for uh, flatheads. Now, our, our surrounding lakes do have some uh, decent channels in the 20s you can catch, a uh, 20-pound range. But uh, it's hard to find the same body of water that has everything, the flatheads, the channels, the blues. That's what I we don't really have here. Well, I'm pretty sure that it doesn't really matter to a flathead if it's hungry, it's going to eat something, and it doesn't really care what it is. I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> of that. Oh, yeah, I almost lost a tournament because of that. About 20 minutes before I had to weigh in a, a winning flathead, it uh, barfed up a two-pound flathead. Almost, <laughs> caused, almost caused me to lose. <laughs> I put those big fish in live wells that we had live bait in. They'll eat every stick of bait you got, and you gotta go look for some more if you're not careful. <laughs> they're they're just not particular, and I'm I'm not like I I've said this before. I'm not convinced that flatheads will eat fish just to because they're hungry. Uh, I honestly believe if if another fish is around them, they'll just kill them to get them away from. Right, I right. I believe from, you know a lot of stuff I've read being very ter territorial. Yep, you know you put them in a confined area like a live well. If if uh, they get to irritating them too much, they're just going to disappear. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Absolutely. If you've got those lakes out there with those those big twenty pound channel cat, that's a trophy channel cat in my opinion. Anywhere you go, if you've got channel cat like that, is there any channel cat tournament guys out your way? We, um, not, not that I know, not, I haven't really done any or seen any channel cat tournaments. The flathead tournaments that I do, we will do a combination of single largest flathead and a single largest channel cat or a stringer of five channels and have two pools for those two parts of the tournament. So you can win in both if, if you do well in both. So you, you actually have, have a two... Uh, two events in one. Correct. 
Okay. All right. That's, that sounds pretty fun. Oh, yeah. The, the Arizona tournament, they do flatheads, channel cats. Uh, you'll have like a junk fish, pay an extra $5 for the single largest carp. So uh, bass. What's that? So bass. Bass. Trash fish. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just funning with you a little bit. Ricky, uh, Ricky says if the flatheads make it out to the brackish area, do they still feed back there? If so, how far out of the freshwater would you say they travel? Um, I I haven't really have I'm not had much luck with them in the brackish water. I think they those that do make it to the brackish water, uh, I I doubt that they get very far. I, I I don't think they go into salt water. It's, I've never heard of them making it very far in the salt. I think they turn around and come back. Right. I I didn't uh, I didn't think that flatheads did. Now, I know uh, I hear some of the blues go into that brackish water uh, pretty deep sometimes, but I don't think the flatheads can stand it like the blues do. And and it's just the makeup of their body, I believe. Right, and the, the brackish, the salt water that we have here, the Salton Sea, is, is pretty much dead. There is nothing alive uh, that's left in there right now, so there would probably be no reason for them to even uh, venture that way. Right, right, especially comfortable to them. Yep, I can see that. So how long have you been targeting these these trophy flathead. I mean, I understand you've been fishing for flatheads for some time, but as far as the, the 40s and 50-pound, 60-pound fish, uh, how long have you been specifically targeting those great big fish? <laughs> pretty, pretty much right out of the gate. I like big, big, big fish. <laughs> my, uh, honestly, I got lucky. My first tournament that I did, I, I won. I got a 30-pounder, 30, 30 I believe it was, 30 or 31 pounds, and from then on, I was uh, constantly in search of bettering my poles and researching where I need to go get a venture away from areas that are that look like common places that people go. That's that's a good idea, I'd say. I, yeah, I'm always looking for something different. Right, whether it be structure, water, just you know, further than most people will go, or whatever the case, huh? Right. I mean, the the two rivers that I fish in the valley, there is no boat ramps. You can only fish it from shore, or if you're willing to take a kayak on the water, that is that is the only way to get on that body of water. I as see. far as I know, I have not seen anybody else kayaking other than my my fishing partner and myself. So I, I think we're the only crazy ones that have done it so far. <laughs> Doc would like to know if the flatheads out there hammer your bait or they just ease down on it when they when they strike. I've had both. I've had the immediate just gone, uh, and I've had the very slow moving, just a slow little pull. And I've had someone. I've, I've actually probably had all uh, variations where you'll hear just a little zip, and you 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 don't touch your pole. You think nothing's there. And then you go move your bait, and you reel it in, and there's a big fish on there. And it's all it, it inhaled it and just sat there and didn't even move. All right, all right. Scott Manning would like to know what type of gear you use, uh, including terminal tackle, and why you use uh, the things that you do use. Um, a lot of my gear I have. 
I already had when I did my tuna fishing. So I have uh, mostly G-Limus rods and Shimano uh, reels. I have Avits, Trinidad's. Um, those are probably my favorite. I've got a TLD uh, two that I use for really, really heavy structure. Um, I, they're lifetime. You get a good deal on them if, if you break them. Uh, G Loomis is pretty good about replacing them. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't buy gear specifically just for catfishing, but I do like the gear. It is strong. I, I've never had any problems with it, so I'd still probably continue to buy it. Uh, I use 40-pound mono for most of the uh, the places that I fish. Part, partly also, I, I like the. I don't want to use line that's too big and just horse the fish in. I want a little bit of a, a challenge uh, with the fish. Uh, I, I've had really good luck with 40-pound mono. I also, I would like a line class record. <laughs> Should I? No, that's a big one. Carolina rig, everything, uh, is predominantly what I use. Um, if there's no current, I I'd like I fly line, if possible. Do what? Fly line my uh, bait, if possible. Keep everything as natural as possible. Everything I fish is in free spool, uh, just with the clicker on. Okay. All right. Now, is that uh, are you, is that when you're fishing on the bank or when you're out uh, on a boat or um, either way? That's pretty much everything. Whether I'm on my boat, my kayak, or on shore, I'm fishing in free spool with the clicker. Okay. It's All mostly right. Now, Um, Scott Woody would like to know uh, if, if Carolina rig is that the only rig you use uh, uh, when you're on the bank and everything? Yes, that's what I use. That probably 99% of the time. I've tried, I've experimented trying to float or a balloon rig, but I end up just going back to Car Carolina rig. I fish in a lot of current, so I, I do need to get it down and and stay down on the bottom. The current it, it doesn't usually work out. Okay. Um, Fat Cat wants to know if you said 115 degree temperature. Oh yes, I've been. I've fished in 123 degrees. Yeah, he said not him, and I have to agree with him. I'm going to be in an air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty, full that's figure guys rare. can't that's handle it. That's pretty rare. That's pretty rare. Yeah, it would be for me. I'd have to crank up the AC and stay home that day, I believe. I think I ended up in my truck that night. I got to take a break. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> you uh, um, Do you fish mostly in daytime or night? Um, Originally, I started out fishing it uh, only at nighttime because that's what we, we thought was the only way to catch them. I did a... Uh, mm -hmm. Meet a uh, friend of mine who was familiar with uh, catfishing during the day, and he uh, got some tips from him, and uh, took that information and continued with it. And now I catch them during the day and uh, the night. The daytime, they're not out moving around, so you do need to move around a lot. I'll probably fish 30, 40 different spots in one day, moving around. If they're not there, continue on. You target them while they're in the hole. Get the bait in front of their face. So you actually are searching them down during the day and just trying to put the bait in front of them to make them strike at it. Correct. I'm fishing holes predominantly, deep deep spots in the river 
or structure during the daytime. At nighttime, then I'll find a comfortable spot uh, from shore or the boat, and then I'll post up in one spot for the night. And because I, I feel like they come out and move around at night and don't need to move around as much. I agree. Uh, Ricky would like to know if you have any idea whether flatheads are found up in Oregon or Washington or not. Um, I think I've seen a report from Washington, but I'm not not so sure with Oregon. Okay. I, I think very small. I, I think, gosh, I think it was in the 20s. It was a long time ago when I saw that, but uh, very small. Okay. Uh, Brad would like to know if you use circle hooks, J hooks, or KO hooks. I use octopus, uh, ADOT octopus circle hooks for pretty much everything now. I have tried J hooks, I've tried KO hooks. Um, I seem to have the best luck. They all work, but uh, I've had the least gut hooks with circle hooks. I have very good, very good ratio of getting them in the corner of the mouth. Yeah, that's one in the upper lip. That's one of the things that people that uh, that are catching flatheads that they have to really be careful with because they'll engulf a bait so quick and swallow it. And the next thing that, that you know it, that if they're not using a good circle hook, it'll be down inside of them. And the best thing to do at that point, from my perspective, is just to cut the, the line off and let them have the hook and, and it'll eventually dissolve out and, and be gone and you won't do damage to that hook uh, from trying to get it out. Right. And it helps not to use chrome hooks. Those definitely break down quicker. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, Fact Cat would like to know that what do you do to keep your bait alive if you're using live bait uh, when it's that hot of weather? I have a cooler that I turned into a live well because the cooler, as it ke obviously keeps things, it keeps ice from melting, but it also helps keep the, uh, the water in a cooler cool during the day. I try to keep it shaded if possible, but I've never really had the water get too warm in the summer weather. I, uh, you know, and I, I use a big size cooler, probably at least a 70 quart cooler and have uh, aerators in there and little breathing tubes out of the top. And uh, that's, that's predominantly what I, I keep 30 pieces of bait alive in a, in a good size cooler during uh, the day. The bluegills are pretty hardy. They'll they'll do pretty well. Now, uh, do you ever put ice or anything in there to help them out? I have not had to do that yet. the The reason why I'm not too worried about it is because the water that I catch them from in the summertime is equally as hot. Right. So I think that they're already acclimated to warm water in the summer. Okay. Uh, Scott Manning says if you're going to be the fishing with him in September, you're going to freeze to death out in Tennessee. <laughs> I'm working on it. That's, my, that's my, my goal to get out there. Well, in September, it'll probably be, you know, no higher than 80 or 85 out there in September, 90 maybe. <laughs> that's perfect weather. <laughs> Now, Ricky would also like to know what's the warmest water temperature you've caught flathead from? Um, I think 80, probably 83 degrees, 84 degrees I've metered um, in the middle of the summer. That's surface temp, of course. I watched right. yeah. Now, how deep of water was you fishing, do you know? Probably average seven, eight feet deep, and then with 15 to 20 foot holes throughout the river. 
so that's not going to be a terrible amount of difference from top to bottom in eight foot. Now at twenty foot, you might lose several degrees, but right. eight foot, you're not going to lose that much. Correct. Yes. Do yeah. you ever uh, do you ever use anything to sink a thermometer down to see what the water temperature is down deep? I haven't. I actually haven't done that. I've been thinking about trying that on a kayak, but uh, I, I have not done that yet. Now, do you have a regular boat you fish out of, or you just fish out of that kayak? I have a bass boat. Well, a bass boat. technically a bass boat, but it's actually a catfishing boat. It's a cat bass. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a, it's a ranger bass boat that I... Uh, that I fish on. It's an older style bass boat that still has the couches, the padded seats on the front rather than all deck because I spend the entire night on my boat. Right, right. Well, you know, Steve Douglas, who was just on here, he fished out of a uh, Ranger bass boat for years and years and years and uh, very successful from that boat. So it's it's not that you can't use one, and if you're going to be out there all night, you might as well have that comfort. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and I towed that thing all the way to Oklahoma and fished a different body of water for a whole week on that boat and drove yeah. back. Oklahoma's got some pretty good water out there. It, yeah. it doesn't get noticed uh, or the notoriety uh, for being one of the great uh, catfishing uh, states, but uh, Grand Lake, the Cherokees, and there's some others, but that one is uh, comes to my mind quickest. Uh, there's some there's some great catfishing in Oklahoma itself. Oh yeah. That, that was one night, it was very nice to be able to drive an hour in either direction and find a huge body of water versus here, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is, you know, and and uh, when, when we talk to guests like you that live out there and you're, you're telling us you drive such good distances uh, to go flathead fishing and, uh, you know, we have we got water everywhere out here. There's either creeks or rivers or lakes or something man-made, and within an hour you can be at several different places. Right. Uh, the dedication that you guys have to drive those distances is is what separates the men from the boys. Because, uh, <laughs> well, you know, people that, that catfish they want to catch catfish. They don't want to go to the lake and and be catching uh, bass or crappie or something. They go out there to catch 30, 40, 50 pound fish. They don't go out there to catch you know, uh, stuff that we normally use for size of bait, uh, which brings me to the next question. Uh, how big a bait are you using on those flatheads? Um, anywhere from four inches to a pound and a half. Uh, a pound and a half. So you're talking about a, a piece of bait bigger than your hand. Yes. That, now that's when I'm getting into the carp. The bluegill and the tilapia are usually the four to six inch range and then once you get into the carp that's where you get a little bigger. Uh, now do you always cut those carp or do you ever use them whole? Uh, my goal is to catch them small enough to use them whole. They're, uh, they're very hardy. They'll last all night long, put them back in your cooler if they don't get hit, which I hope doesn't happen, and <laughs> you can use them again. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're tough. They're very tough fish if you can get them like that. Uh, one of the one of the things that we have problems with around here is, is like you was talking is finding them hand size. Usually, if they're when we start getting carp, common carp, you know, they're pound and a half, two pounds or bigger, and uh, it's it's not. I know guys who use them that size for for live bait for flatheads. I don't, but uh, there is guys that do do that and and have a pretty good success rate with them actually. But um, 
there comes a point to me when the realism has to grab hold of you a little bit. Right. I, I think they make really good bait when they're smaller because they don't have the spine that the bluegill and tilapia have where the flathead needs to negotiate that bait to take it in head first, whereas the, the, those little common carp don't really have that, so they're just like a lollipop, and they just suck them right in. They don't need to spend that time turning the bait as much, in my right. opinion. Well, and from everything that I've understood about flathead and the videos and stuff that I've watched, when a flathead decides it's going to eat, it just inhales its whatever it's eating. Absolutely. You know, they don't just grab hold of it and play around with it. They suck that baby in, and the next thing you know, it's completely gone. <laughs> right, right. So uh, that, that's that's one of the uh, one of the the greatest things that I I have for years called flatheads the king of cats and uh, so many people say well you don't fish for them that much well we tournament fish so much of the time and and it's not that you can't win a tournament in our area catching flatheads you just the blues are are faster easier more available and uh, you don't have to work near as hard to to look for them right. in our you know where we're at. Right. Uh, I, I dearly love to catch them, and if I'm fishing at night, I'm going to have some bait out for a flathead. That's just the way it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Justin Wolf says, big bait, big fish. I would tend to agree with that, but you can catch big fish on small bait, too. That uh, is true. But, but my theory about that is if you're using small bait, you're probably going to catch a lot of small fish, not that you won't catch a big one. Right. But if you're using big bait, the little ones can't take it, and the big ones can't. Correct. I, I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've been shocked, like you said. The big ones will bite the small. I My buddy, I passed off a piece of bait because it was so little, and he decided to put it on his hook and ended up with a 52-pound flathead on a little inch-and-a-half piece of cut bait. So That's a great fish. I don't care. A 50-pound fish is a great fish anywhere you go. Scott would like to know, how do you catch your bait? Do you net it? Do you catch it on rod and reel, or how do you do that? The the only legal way in California is uh, you can dip net for them or rod and reel, just with night crawlers or corn. That That's, as far as I know, the only legal way to do it. Okay. There are people that you know use throw nets, but you don't want to get caught doing that. So throw nets in the state of California is illegal, illegal. to get bait with. Correct. I'm only allowed to fish with two rods, and I have to pay for the second rod. That's the only way I'm allowed to fish. <laughs> so they charge you for a license fee, and that allows you to use one fishing rod. Correct. If you if you want to use another fishing rod while you're catfishing, you have to pay an extra amount of money to be able to use two rods. Correct. Yes, it's another four dollars or five dollars. Yes, to have a second rod endorsement. Yeah, well, so if you give them another 10, they wouldn't let you fish with three. I don't know why they don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and I realize every state has different outlooks on the way things uh, need to be done and rules and regulations. And, uh, you know, if that's the way they do it, you just, if you're going to be out there, that's that's what you have to do. And, and I don't really see anything wrong with that. That's, that's a, one of the aspects of conservation. And, uh, you know, I, I know or I believe that I know that you are all about conservation for these big flatheads. That is correct. That is yes. correct. I think I think I should be able to use as many rods as I want since I don't keep anything. 
<laughs> well, that you know, I, I I've told this before, and I know it's been at least twelve years now since I've cleaned a fish, and it's not that I don't like to eat them. I don't want to clean them, and I would I would never clean a big one. You know, I was you know if it was gut hooked or bleeding really bad, I would consider doing that. I'd hate to turn it loose and it it, it not survive. But as long as they're healthy and everything. Uh, and if I decide tomorrow I go out fishing, if I decide I want to keep a mess of, of fish, I'll catch me some four or five pounders, and and that's what we'll eat. But to be right honest, I'd rather just stop on the way home by Cindy catfish for dinner. <laughs> right. There's something fascinating about them. I just right out of the gate, I just they're prehistoric and neat, and I just I yeah I just think they're really really cool, and that's I let them go. You know, I watch these a lot of shows when I'm working. I have a TV on most of the time here in my shop, and and uh, I watch these guys and they're catching fish and talking about turning them back and eating this. and And one of the the, the greatest terms that I can think of relating to any kind of fish, but specifically catfish, is selective harvest. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fisherman has been using that term for for years and years and years, and you know, I don't care whether you're trot lining for fish or whether you're jug fishing. I don't, I don't do that. Don't condone it. But I know a lot of people do, and they enjoy it. And it's fun to do. I've done it. I'm not going. I'm not saying that I have it. But it doesn't matter how you catch the fish. If one of them is not going to survive, that's the fish you need to take home and eat. If you catch a bunch of three, four, five, six, seven pounders. Those are by far the best eaten fish of any species. I don't care what anybody says. They can talk all that crap about, oh, I can fix it and you can't tell this. Well, yes, you can. You, you can tell the difference between an old fish. And you, it's just like a young hog or a young beef or anything else. You can right. tell the difference. So use selective harvest. Keep the fish you want for yourself and for your family. And, and turn the breeding fish back so they can reproduce so you can have that in your grandkids or your children or somebody can catch it on down the road. That little girl of yours, I'm quite convinced that she is going to be a, a great fishing partner in the not too distant future. Oh, yeah. I, I was so taken with her when uh, when we was making sure your computer and everything works. She just the sweetest <laughs> little thing, and she had her little flower head, uh, hair thing in her hair, just cute as she could be, and and uh, she had that dog, and she was talking about that dog. I could have visited her for an hour. That's, oh, yeah. She was my good luck charm that, that trip. Uh, that was her first trip out, and uh, uh, that was the first time I'd ever caught two 40-pounders in one spot with it, with just within a few hours. Of it. So she was definitely my good luck charm. I'm not really sure. Um, I watched that video this morning before I talked with them, and she was kind of instructing you on getting that fish in, wasn't she? <laughs> Oh yeah, she'll probably be pretty strict. <laughs> um, do, do you think the earthquakes affect those flatheads out there? Um, I don't think so. I think it's the bodies of water are flowing pretty good, so uh, I I doubt it. Yeah, I, I I would say not if they can withstand sonic booms from airplanes and. Uh, all the road traffic and noises and man-created chaos that we've got. <laughs> they can survive that. Uh, I think you know, the biggest, they can survive that. Right. I think the biggest impact on uh, the flatheads is the fluctuation in water levels. The the bodies of water. Something you know, we get a lot of rain, or there's a lot of uh, agricultural going on at the same time. The, the water will raise sometimes five feet. And one weekend, you go back two weeks later, and it has dropped back down five feet. That sometimes seems to hurt the bite when there's that dramatic fluctuation. So do you have um, um, 
trying to think of the term that they use out east on tide. Do you have tidal current out there in those rivers? No, it's it's uh, there's no tide. It's all based on how much water is being used in those valleys because it's a, it's all agricultural. The whole desert is all agriculture. Tons of canals. You know how much water is being dumped in. Now, is is a lot of that come from uh, the the Rocky Mountains? Um, probably originally yes, because it makes its way through the Colorado River. Okay. And then, yes. Uh, Justin Wolf would like to know if you think the reasoning behind the strict regulations on the amount of rods you use is due to the population of people or the population of the fish. Um, I probably think uh, neither. Probably lawyers and money. Well. <laughs> That makes more sense. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I, <laughs> it is California. Well, you know, and it's not, there, there's a lot of things they do out in your state that I do not agree with, but I don't think when it comes to money it has anything to do whether it's California, Missouri, or Texas, or uh, <laughs> New York. If they think they can squeeze another nickel out of a taxpayer, they're going to get it. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I don't think it's overpopulation. I I'm not. I doubt it has anything to do with either one of those. Okay. I, I don't know what kind of sign. Maybe, you know, maybe they're trying to be better safe than sorry. Maybe it's the that's limited possible. body of water. That's very possible. Scott would like to know what kind of knot that you use, uh, why you use it, and the size of leader. And do you think the leader is important uh, to flathead fishing? Um. I use probably about 12-inch leader. If I'm using 40-pound test, I often will use a 60-pound leader. 12 to 18 inches is all I, I really use for length of leader because it's, there's a lot of structure, so I'm usually casting very close to the structure, so if there's too long of a leader, the fish will quickly just swim into a tree branch or something and boom, you're done. Uh, so it, it'll get snagged. Um, I like uh, Palomar knots, the San Diego knot. Uh, is what they call it. I think it's the jam. Uh, the, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's that's what I use for pretty much for everything. Yeah, that Palomar knot's really hard to beat. I, I use some other stuff, but it's almost foolproof. I mean, it's easy to tie. It's extremely strong, and it's really hard to beat that. Right. Yeah. Those um. Those flatheads are are uh, are, a, are a treasure that people do not realize, and and a lot of people fish for channel cats and blues, and and they don't know what they're missing out on until they get a hold of one of those uh, 30, 40, 50 pound flatheads. Uh, and and people will tell me that oh, if they're they're a catfish, well, it, it's until you get a big one, you don't really understand the difference. Uh, in the the way they fight and how they treat you in your equipment, <laughs> they're just oh, yes. mean. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yes. Especially when you're in cur when you're in current. I mean, those big heads, those big flat heads, they dive, keep that head down in current, and they can be tough to get up when they're they're stubborn. Have you ever seen them really stir up the mud uh, when you're fighting one in in fairly shallow water? Um, yeah, the, I mean, the, the video that you saw, that one, that was pretty shallow towards the, towards the shoreline. That was putting up uh, a pretty good ruckus. Um, well, now, my question with that is, do you think they're using their head to try to get into that mud, or are they just stirring it up with their entire body? 
Um, I think they're just stirring it up with their entire body. They're usually they're, there's usually trees. You know right away if they're trying to get into structure. That's that mud is really soft and just murky bottom. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I think it's just them trying to get away and into structure. Doc Lang says they're bulldozers on steroids. <laughs> that's that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty accurate. And and you was talking about structure. You know, uh, I assume that you're you're trying to find these fish in uh, tree root balls and uh, rocks and different areas like that when you're when you're looking for them and if there's a, a piece of structure in there I guarantee you they know where it's at and that's where they're headed. Oh absolutely sometimes you'll, you'll get a run and you'll hear that little and it's our they're already in structure it'll happen that quick and you're you're snagged and I'll pre-tie I usually pre-tie about 10 to 15 setups with my leader <laughs> before I even get out there because I know I'm going to go through lots of gear. Well, now, Doc was on with us last week, and we was talking about that, and, and uh, he had quite the little trick, and, and you may have not have seen the show, but he says when they go into that structure, whether it be a tree or whatever it is, they go in head first, so if you just tighten the drag a little bit and put pressure and just set it in the rod holder, they'll eventually back out, and you can keep going. I, I, have, I have done that. I haven't seen the show, but I have learned to be patient, and I've sat there for about 20 minutes working with the fish, I've heard uh, sometimes I'll strum the line like a guitar, mm -hmm. and the vibration traveled through the line, and I think that they feel, and sometimes that will upset them and cause them to shake their head and sometimes come out. So, yeah, I'll, yeah. There's, there's tricks for everything, and, and the more things you learn, the more success rates you're going to have, and, right. and uh, that's really good. You know, people tell uh, Chuck and I all the time that, that we specifically uh, – visit with guys that are known for their tournament catfishing ability and and uh, you although you do fish tournaments you fish on the bank you fish in the water you drive distances to go you just want to catch fish you take your family with you and, and I really thank you for being on the show with us tonight I, I really believe that a lot of the guys that are not tournament anglers have benefited from the knowledge that you and stuff that you shared with us on the show this evening. I, you're very welcome. It's yes. just been outstanding. You know, every week, uh, anybody that's on the show, uh, we give them a chance to talk about anything uh, when we get near the end of the show as far as sponsors or people that they uh, want to thank for helping them along the way or anything like that. And uh, if you have anybody you'd like to to mention, uh, I'll give you all the time that you'd like to do it, Morgan. I'd, I'd like to thank all those that are out there that are open and talk about catfishing and are willing to share information. It's it's great to have people that share and help people. I know there's always a little bit of secrecy with fishing, catfishing. I'm, secret, <laughs> I'm secretive and had to steer people in other directions sometimes, but it's great to have you know people out there that are willing to talk about it and share and help those that are... Uh, learning and trying to get their foot in the door and catch the big fish shows that like you uh, have. Um, probably my wife. That's probably the biggest one I'd like to thank for uh, putting up with me in my, my hobby that I think about day in and day out. And <laughs> it, you, know, if you don't have someone that supports you in your passion. So that, that's a good thing to have. 
Well, that's exactly right, and I'm very lucky that that. And Chucky is too. Leanne fishes with him whenever she feels like it, and and uh, Cindy and I fish together nearly every time out. Not every time, but you know, most of the time she's my tournament partner and everything, and it works out really, really great for us. But uh, I I really did enjoy visiting with her. She was so helpful trying to get everything set up this morning, and and like I say, that little girl of yours as sweet as she could be, and and I'm looking forward to the time when. You're posting those pictures of her holding those fish you're catching now. Oh yeah, I just I, I have to stop catching ones that are bigger than her. That way she can hold them up. <laughs> it won't be it won't be too long that she'll be able to handle them. You know she's not going to sit back there and instruct you, but so long she's going to want to do it herself. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for being our guest on Catfish Weekly. And, uh, you know, at some time in the future when you get to go in and get to some more videos, post them up and you can feel free to put them on the Catfish Web Weekly website. People love to look at those pictures. And flatheads are such beautiful fish. And, and you and that girl keep catching them things and we'll enjoy watching them videos for years to come. I will. Thank you very much. It was an honor to be on your show. Well, thanks for being here with us. All right. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Like, take it easy, man. All right. You too. Thanks. Well, Chuck, that was a really good segment with Morgan. He done a really good job and shared a lot of information with these guys that are bank fishing and stuff that, uh, you know, I never thought about using tilapia for bait. And one of the reasons I didn't think about it is because we don't have any. Uh, but, you know, I, that that is uh, some really good information for people that's that don't have boats or ways to get out on the water and, and do that. Right, and uh, you know the guys to get out in them kayaks and stay, you know, fish all night, or even just go out for you know hours. I mean, that is very, very sporting. Well, uh, you know, if you're one on one with a big flathead in a kayak, just you and him. I mean, that that's you can't get no more personal than that. Well, that's true, and and I do see. Uh, the, the thrill and adventure that people would get out of that, but personally, canoes, kayaks, bicycles, my ass just don't fit them anymore. Oh, I don't either. I'm way too old. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could probably get in one, but I wouldn't be able to get back out. Well, I, I just, I'm too old for that stuff, but I, you know, I really do enjoy watching the videos of them guys that do it, and, and uh, you know, Morgan has caught some giant fish. I, I never knew until, uh, watching some of his pictures and videos and stuff that he's put up in the last several months, uh, that California even had uh, catfish that size out there. I know, and, the, you know, the, the color patterns like we were talking about, they're just, you know, we'll, we'll see some nice yellow patterns here, but, I mean, they had them real bright, bright yellow ones, um, you know, down there where the Chris Joshua and Flathead Ed and them are. Oh, they have man. some really nice patterns, and they have some lakes. That's a nice fish. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, it would be so hard for me to, uh, you know, pick out uh, and not. I mean, he. I think he said his his personal best sixty seven. I mean, I I would I would have probably wouldn't been able to wait. I would have went ahead and got my um, my mount done up right then. There's there's his little girl just got on there. She's as cute as she can be. She don't have her uh, flowers in her hair this evening though. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Hi. 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 What? You know, 
Chuck, I I, I'm going to start that. doing something at the end of our shows that I haven't been doing. And uh, uh, I may catch a little flack. That's what? But, um, you know, all the states that are behind the catfish conservation are, are working extremely hard. Now, I'm talking about Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio. These guys are all working extremely hard to get catfish regulations put into effect to, to benefit and save our, our catfishing. Now, uh, Missouri is, has for years told me the same old sob story, and I love them guys. I respect them. They're not getting on with the program. They keep talking about uh, doing surveys and testing and finding out if we need these regulations. Well, we do need them. We need them as bad as everybody else does, and, and I want them to quit dragging their feet. You know, we've asked them for... Uh, confirmation on what they're finding in their studies and they won't give us any so uh, immediately to me that tells me that they're not really doing the studies. Missouri Department of Conservation you are known as one of the greatest conservation efforts in the United States. Get these regulations passed on these rivers. There's no reason for you guys to be dragging your feet and putting this off and I'm gonna push this every week until you guys decide that it's time to get off your butts and get something done. Now, with that said, Chuck, do you have any closing statements? Uh, yes. Um, Jeff Green uh, from Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, brought it to my attention today that there was a situation after the uh, Cabela's King Cat Sante Cooper super event this week. Um, Saturday, someone turned themselves in for being honest. Um, and what I want to do right now, I want to read a post. Um, some people may have already read it. Uh, it's Dean Burks, but I know a lot of people don't have Facebook, and I would like to read this uh, post um, about a fisherman who took first place uh, because of a, um, a weight discretion, uh, figured out that he did not win, and turned around and called Cabela's, told them that they need to look the weights over again, gave the first place plaque back to the winner and the prize money. Okay, here is uh, Dean Birch's post, which he uh, stopped and had dinner um, with Jimmy Hallbrook um, as this was occurring. Honestly, at its best, had the opportunity to fish the Cabela's Super event on Sante with Chris Mann. It was a tough bite for us but one of our friends did really well. As a matter of a fact, on day one, he was in second place. I could tell Jimmy Hallbrock and Layla Georgia uh, Ledbetter were really excited as we joined them on Canal Lakes Resort at our usual eat after the tournament place. Same place Chris and I met just a year ago before. Chris and I still fishing on day two and not going to weigh in, heard the good news of our friend winning. Later, we joined him to eat again, and I noticed Jimmy seemed troubled. After asking what was wrong after winning the tournament, he said, I don't think I won. He got to figuring that the numbers that he weighed in and knew the number was off. After, he talk, after we talked, he decided to call Cabela's officials and tell them his concern. Seemed he was right 
and second place Mark Stanley were winners by a few pounds. Calls were made. Jimmy got to hand over the first place plaque to the winner. Checks were tore up and rewritten. How many people would have done this? Day two weights were not posted, so Mark had no idea what Jimmy called if he was not there when Jimmy weighed in. Jimmy knew they, they had him marked with too much weight, and he could not live with that. He gave the trophy to the rightful owner. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Jimmy Hallbrook is the winner. Maybe not just second place in a tough event and losing first just by a few pounds, but pointing out a mistake that only he knew about. That's how true winners are. They want to win, but they want to do it fair and square. After the tournament, he and his partner, Georgia Ledbetter, drove three and a half hours home and will get up this morning and go to church where Miss Ledbetter has to get up early to teach Sunday school Sunday morning. And, and this, this gentleman's name is Jimmy Hallbrook? Yes. Jimmy Hallbrook, thank you for being that kind of fisherman. You are the kind of guy that inspires the whole world to do what's right. Yeah, I mean, that was, um, you know, no nobody probably would have ever known, um, you know, he brought in and he just didn't notice what the scales were saying and everything. Um, you know, and he had that gut feeling something was wrong. And, you know, when, when Dean seen it and when Dean uh, questioned him about it, um, you know, he let him know, Hey, something's not right because, um, I, that guy had more weight than I did. He seen that guy weigh in, but that guy did not see Jimmy weigh in. So he was not able to catch the mistake. Well, he, he is a true ambassador of our sport, and uh, I commend him very highly for doing that. I would like to think that I am the person that would have done the same thing, but each and every one of us know that in our heart, the only way we know if we could do that is if it actually happened to us. And uh, the outstanding people that do that to make sure that the right people uh, got what they truly deserved, and, and they will be remembered for that for, from now on. And uh, there needs to be more of these kind of stories brought out instead of all the bad stuff that we hear. And uh, I'm very thrilled that you brought that up. Yes. I mean, Jimmy is a one heck of a fisherman. You know, he was second place at the Eastern championship on Lake Watery, uh, you know, this past fall uh, at the Cabela. So, you know, it just wasn't one of those tournaments where he lucked up and, and you know, come in first place. He was a force to be reckoned with from the time they launched. And uh, him and his girlfriend go out, fish together all the time. And uh, that's a couple that we're going to try very hard to get on the show and spend some time with us. Absolutely. I would love to have them on the show and and visit with them about what they've done. Uh, I'm quite sure that they have some some catfishing knowledge and stories to share with us. But uh, they're on the top of the list uh, in respect for my book for doing the correct thing. And I thank them very deeply for doing such. What else have you got this evening, Chuck? Uh, well, it's going to be a busy month. You know, this coming uh, Friday, uh, a long trip to Kentucky, um, spend the day with y'all on Saturday. Uh, the weekend after that, my brother's birthday getaway. We're going to go to Wheeler for a few days, enjoy his birthday. And then um, I've got two more weekends in a row on Wheeler with a couple of tournaments. And then my home lake which I really never fish, uh, Lay Lake, um, 
We're going to have a hill jack tournament on the 26th of March. And then the Lay Lake Super event on the 1st and 2nd of April. Uh, it's going to be a month earlier than last year when the flatheads were running really good and the blues decided to spawn at the last minute. So everybody who pre-fished the week before, their whole tactic was off because, uh, you know, all of a sudden the blues were doing good. Then all of a sudden they hardly even existed. So um, that this year it's going to be really good being a month ahead the flatheads and the blues both should be on fire and it's really going to show what kind of other waters we have in alabama besides the tennessee river right yeah that, that's uh, that is a, a going to be a busy week or month for you absolutely and and uh you guys will do fine i'm convinced of it uh jerry dillard had put in on our uh, chat that that was a great story and thanks for sharing that chuck and uh, Justin Wolf says, how did Cabela's not catch that? Well, uh, Justin, I know it seems like that would be hard, but you, uh, you as well as, as many of the rest of us that have done tournaments uh, realize that mistakes have been made. And we actually one time done that uh, and weigh in and got all done with it and passed out the things, <laughs> found a mistake and had to correct it. But we actually got it done before everybody took off. And, and actually nobody did get upset about that, you know, uh, uh, surprisingly enough that they didn't because sometimes things happen and people do get uh, uh, mad about things. But when you show them and, and they realize that an honest mistake has been made, most of the time people will go on. But I, I, that's a story, Chuck, that I may never forget. I just uh, That was such a, an outstanding thing that, that those guys done. And I'm so thrilled with that. And thanks for sharing it. Um, I have a uh, message here from Jerry Dillard. He had sent me this earlier. And uh, for you that don't know, Jerry uh, is doing the Central Texas Catfish Tournament Trail down in Texas. And, and I understand that this is a um, new deal they got going to trying to get their catfish tournaments going. And, and we're really proud of them guys for doing what they do to get catfish and make it more, more uh, uh, user-friendly in their area. And he wanted to let me know that Randy Miller and Johnny Ward uh, won the tournament they had last weekend down there, and uh, they're they're just they're having great time. So you guys that live in Central Texas, uh, jump on down there and fish with these guys. They're working really hard to get you into these tournaments, and uh, you can't ask for anything more. They're doing everything they can to make it a big event for people that want to catch these fish. So get in there and. And, and share some of that with them, guys. It would be a lot of fun. You'll enjoy yourself. You'll never forget it. Well, Chuck, I think that's uh, about it for this evening. I hope everybody gets around to make uh, um, to the Catfish Conference down in Versailles, Kentucky, uh, at Jeff Jones Marine. I think it's going to be a really, really good time. And everybody that's traveling, have a safe trip. Uh, I don't think that the weather's going to be too bad unless something changes between now and then, but we all know how that how that can go and and uh i i just think it's going to be a lot of fun and and uh we've got some other things going on we've got some tournaments coming next up next month and and next week i'll uh i'll visit with you guys about them but the last thing that i'm going to try to do uh this evening is next week the 29th we're going to have craig shoemate on the show with us craig got called into work on a date that he was supposed to be on with us here a few weeks ago. So we're going to try to get Craig on here and we're going to visit with him. The 7th of March, we're going to have our spouse's show 
with Joyce Muse and um, Amanda um, Morse and uh, Jamie Mathena uh, talking about how they support their, their tournament, Catfish Anglers. And I really think this is going to be a good show for everybody to watch. The following week, the 14th, we're going to have Jason Acock on here, and we're going to talk about getting back to our roots in catfishing, why, how and why we all started and, and how we progressed since the beginning. And I think that Jason will be really cool to be on here with us, and I think we'll have a really good show with him. And the 21st of March, we're going to have Justin Wolf on. Justin's agreed to come on, on and be on the show with us. And Justin run um, – a, a tournament trail out of St. Louis with below the Alton Dam there for years and years and years. And he's seen all the good and all the bad and stuff that goes wrong and stuff that goes right. And uh, he's quite a fisherman. And he, if we can get some of that knowledge squeaked out of him, it will benefit all of us guys that catch blue catfish because Justin knows how to put them big boys in the boat. Uh, he's beat me out of big fish a number of times and beat me in tournaments more than I care to admit. And uh, he's very knowledgeable. He fishes the Mississippi and the Missouri River, but he also travels to uh, Owensboro, Kentucky, and uh, Wheeler Lake in Alabama. He goes wherever the fish are at, and uh, we're going to have a really good show with Justin on, on the show. So everybody, uh, lighten up, stay tuned. Uh, see you at the Catfish Conference in Versailles, Kentucky. For Chuck Davison, I'm Lyle Stokes. Thanks for watching Catfish Weekly.